Welcome to the Thrive Leadership Podcast, where we discuss building and leading a thriving culture. Host Rob Sagan pulls from his network of hundreds of bona fide leaders to sit down and talk to the best of the bunch, breaking down the keys to their success and the ways in which a focus on culture has let themselves and their organizations reach their highest potential. From stories of organizations who turn their strategy around to create a radically positive shift in atmosphere, to deep changes for companies focused on their bottom line, these interviews shed light on the true stories that emerge from leaders that are actively engaged in their organization's ongoing evolution and values. One of those stories is explored in this episode, starting with Rob introducing today's guest. Well, good morning, Warner. Thanks for joining us today. We're really excited about having you participate in this four-part series on exceptional cultures. Uh, as you know, and you and I have been on this journey together for a number of years, but over the past six or seven years, our practice at the Thrive Partnership Group has spent a lot of its time you know, trying to help our clients create a culture on purpose that thrives and gives employees and customers a, a different experience because we we believe the math that we see in all the publications that it has it can have a big impact on performance. And one of the reasons why we're excited about having you join us is the story you've got to share about the Genentech Skin franchise as the leader there over the past three years is one that we know our audience is going to be very interested in. Uh, the main the main parts that we're excited about is how you guys really embedded a, a great culture from the time you took over onwards and how that's not only served you well in good times, but it seems to have really helped pull you and your team through some challenging times as well. So can we maybe start with the question of, you know, why did you and your, your team uh, decide to make franchise culture a, a priority, a strategic priority? Yeah, well, um, good morning, uh, Rob. Um, glad to be uh, glad to be on this um, this podcast with you. Um, yeah, bottom line is, I, I I think I was influenced a lot by some previous managers and and, and mentors that I've been working with. Um, in particular, um, Jennifer Cook, who uh, had led our business unit at the time I joined Genentech, and had a huge influence in, on me in terms of my thinking around culture and the importance of it. And she placed a huge emphasis on that um, um, when I first joined the company. And uh, we did a lot of work on that, and I and I and I started to really understand um, the dynamics of what culture can bring to a team, and 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 how to measure it, and how to uh, how to work with it so it can become a competitive advantage. So I had that as a bit of a backdrop, and then moving over to the skin team a few years ago, um, this was sort of always in, embedded in my head, and I just took a look at where the team was at, and um, to be honest, I. I think they had a really strong culture already. I, I couldn't really define it, but it's something you can sometimes feel when you first get to meet a leadership team and start to get to know the people around you. Um, I knew there was something positive going on, but I, um, I wanted to understand it better and, and, and work to um, really see whether we could build on it and, 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 and see if we could make it better. Yeah, and what impressed us as your navigators in this process was, and we often get the question from other folks, you know, why should we invest in culture, and if so, when? And you know, one of the questions we often get is, if you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, since you, as you say, you only took over a business that had a, a good track record, although it was early and it was just getting started, but I know you felt good about being able to take over a team that was moving in the right direction. A business was off to a good start, but you know, that's a dilemma a lot of leaders face. As you know, you move into a new group. You're drinking from the fire hose, trying to understand the business, trying to figure out where you can add value. 
you know, so for you in that mix of things that you could do, you know, why did you choose to pull on that lever of culture a little bit as you moved into the into the business? Well, I think it's um, I think it's based on something you and I talked a lot about before. I mean, we we know that the culture doesn't happen by accident. Um, uh, culture will happen anyway, whether you whether you attend to the garden or not. And um, I just think I got a, a little bit lucky walking into the skin team here a few years ago where um, the leaders and the previous leaders had, had hired some good people with some good foundations of leadership and, and how to build and lead teams. So I think I was walking into a positive environment, but I'm, I'm also very conscious of the fact that without tending to that, without being conscious about what you're dealing with um, and, and, and how you want to help support it, um, it, it, it can stray and it can, it can break down. And so I, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's not the first thing you do when you join a team, but I, I think you, you got to spend some time listening and, and observing and getting an understanding of, of, um, the people around you and, and, and the culture around you, but you can't leave it too long. I think, um, within a few months, I think you have to, um, state something up front to the team about the importance of culture and, and, and where it sits in your in terms of your priorities and start to work with them in terms of how you want to assess it and then, of course, try to um, support it and tend to it. Yeah, and I'm thinking about a conversation I had just the other day with a young man that uh, I've known for years who is taking over um, an aeronautics engineering company just outside of Ottawa. And Pat was telling me how excited he is to take on this new role. And I'm curious to hear, see his reaction to this podcast as I know he'll, he'll listen in. But, you know, here's a guy like you who's stepping in you had some familiarity because it was a franchise that you could observe closely from your other franchise responsibility at Genentech. But for new leaders going in to take over new business units or, in his case, take over a, an operation at the COO level coming from the outside, what would your guidance be to Nick? How would you mentor a young leader who came to you and said, you know, what, Warner, in what order should I do things coming in new? What's the What's the 180-day plan I should follow, given given your experience? Because you've done this a few times and had a lot of success. So what would that broader context be that you would share with a, a, a younger leader that's looking for you to mentor them? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if there's an exact formula, um, Rob, but I think there's some things that I, I – some kind of steps that I generally follow, I guess, when coming into a new role. Um, you're talking about 100 <coughs> – excuse me, 180-day plan – um, I guess it would roughly be, you know, um, the first thing you want to do, um, like I said, a, a, a couple minutes ago here is listen, observe, get a feel for what kind of team you're dealing with, what kind of culture there is. Um, is there, is there a foundation of trust that you can see? Is there candor? Is there, um, is there a good dynamic of, of, and balance between care and respect and, and people that want to speak the truth and, and put honest conversations on the table? Um, some of those things are really the foundation for me, um, uh, in leadership teams, as well as, um, um, the broader teams that you're managing and leading. Um, and you can get a feel from that pretty early. You, you, you can, you can work with different folks and observe in different meeting dynamics and, and kind of see what kind of culture you have and have and what you're working with. And then, um, I guess the second thing is you start to look for, for champions. Um, and I look for this early, like who are, who are the people that are modeling the kind of leadership behaviors and the kind of cultures and values that, that you think are critical? Who's, who's passionate about it? Who's very interested in, 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 in people development and culture development and, and who has also influence amongst their peers and, and across the broader team in this regard. 
And, um, and then, you know, through your different meetings and, and, you know, as a leader in the organization, everyone wants to hear about what you think is important. And I start to talk about culture pretty early as being an important dynamic. Um, and the fact that, it, you know, I have a track record of, of, of actively looking at this and, and investing it in previous teams, people start to get, um, get a picture that that's important with you. And, and you start to see these champions start to come forward of people that, that are interested in it and want to support you. Um, and then, and then a little bit later, I mean, you can't do this too soon, but I'd say maybe three or four months into it, you could maybe do it sooner as well, depending on where the team is at. Um, you can, you can put a, a, you know, a group together and, and, and actually consciously work with a company like yours to actually get an initial baseline, initial measurement of, of what, of what your culture is all about. A lot of teams have defined culture and, then you ask them and you say, okay, what is it exactly? And they, and they, and they couldn't really tell you. They say we have a strong culture. Um, you know, we care about our people. We care about this. I'm sure they do. But when you ask them to define it and actually put it articulated in terms of specific values, a lot of teams have, 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 have trouble doing that. So like, um, like we did before, where we um, set out with a, with, with a team of champions within my team, um, try to put that down on paper and then go back to the broader group and measure that and say, Okay, we've defined these specific values. How well are we doing at those? And you get a baseline measurement as to how strong you really are living up to those values and how how how, how apparent those values are across the rest of the organization. Um, and then after that, I think the 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 next steps kind of fall from that. It, the, the key is to not let the let the results of a of a survey or a or um or, or some kind of a culture um culture measurement just sit on a shelf. I think engaging with that team, um, I'm sure other people will fall in at that point because they start to see the excitement and momentum around it. Um, and a few key priorities about how to either fix some things that are going wrong or build on some of the strengths that you have, I think, come forward. And the key there is, um, as you know, is not to pick too many things. Um, pick a couple things where you can have an immediate impact. You can show the rest of the organization that you are making progress on them. Um, and and make sure you're communicating that back on the progress. Um, and then it becomes iterative and and hopefully at that point, you're not you're not driving it from a leadership perspective, but you've got momentum around the rest of the team that's carrying that forward for you. Yeah, and that's what I'm really um, curious to pick your brain about here today is that as I've spent a little bit of time with you and your team and pulsed in from time to time, I get you know visibility to the, the changes that ebb and flow. And it's kind of interesting. It's like you know, visiting a nephew don't see that often. The parents don't see that much change, but you only see him every once in a while, and he seems to be growing every time you see him. And, you know, I check in with you and your folks often enough that I was impressed with the evolution that I saw you know, on, say, a more quarterly basis and a day-to-day basis. So maybe you could share with me what did you as a leader see as the reaction of your team, especially your leadership team, when you came into the business to, to, to kind of provide a leadership strength, what, what was their reaction to your energy on this? And, and, and then what transpired as you brought that insight and data forward from the survey? I'm really curious to understand the dynamics between you and your, and your leaders and seeing a new sheriff on, you know, there's a new sheriff in town and he seems to have a, a passion for culture as part of the mix of running the business successfully. How did they react to your energy and, and how did you socialize that so that you got them, you know, sort of to come with you in the journey and then to see the impact downstream in the business? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you're, you enter a new team, 
especially one that, you know, feels like they're in relatively good shape anyway. Um, you, you come in and you, uh, you're, you're the new sheriff in town, as you like to call it. Um, sometimes there's some skepticism, right? It's like, okay, what, what, what's this guy all about? What's the new, what's the new flavor of the month? Um, kind of a feeling. And so you do run into a little bit of that, but I think, um, if you, you match up actions and, and follow up with the words that you're expressing, I think people, um, I think see the, the genuineness that you, that you come forward with it. And the fact that you're consistent and this is becoming an important part of your, your leadership traits. I think people, people react to that. And I think for the most part, um, particularly cause you're, you're trying to create something that most people want to want to work in, 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 in an environment that people want to thrive in. Um, people react in a positive way. Um, but you need to, you need to have that consistency. You need to, you need to, um, like I said, I walk through some of the steps, but you need to be sort of purposeful about it and, and keep moving the ball forward. Um, and also looking, like I said, for those champions and looking for, um, examples of when that leadership and those values are being exemplified and, and making sure you're highlighting those and rewarding those and, and empowering people to also bring their ideas forward because, um, I mean, it's always been the case. I have some pretty strong ideas on what values I think are critically important for leadership teams and, um, and, and for teams in general, but it always surprises you that, um, the teams you work with have a different spin on that and a different, uh, perspective and, 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 and oftentimes ones that are really suited to the types of people they are and the, and the types of businesses and challenges they're facing. And you have to allow them to shape that. Um, and you have to allow them to take that and, and, and nurture it and, and bring it forward. And, and, and if you allow people to do that, they get, mo- they, they get momentum from that. They get a lot of it. I think they get a lot of uh, energy from it and, um, and it becomes contagious. Um, and, and, and people get really, really excited. about it. And I think one of the things that I saw you and your group do very well was make sure you were listening to all the stakeholder perspective on culture, because I think it would, I think most people would agree it would be wrong to define a culture based on just what the person in the corner office thinks, you know, <laughs> in isolation, like you have your opinions, but to just grab your view viewpoint and then make that the defined culture for your franchise, you know, that, that doesn't feel right. And it doesn't, I don't think it's any more correct to just, just ask your employees and consider not, not, not that their stakeholder view isn't important. It's just as important as other stakeholder views, but it's not the only opinion that matters. I think what you guys did a nice job of is you looked at sort of what the considerations are with regard to the mothership of Genentech and what its culture, you know, what the what its stated beliefs and values were. I think you did a guys did a nice job of taking that in consideration. You and your commercial leaders had your opinions about what culture would drive business. And I think combining that with the third element, which is asking your, you know, hundred or so employees, okay, well you know, what are you experiencing? What do you want more of? I think of all the groups you work with, you guys did the nicest job of balancing the mix of perspectives and coming up with something that worked, you know, for the mothership, for the corporation, for what was right for the business, and what the employees wanted to see in terms of optimizing, you know, their discretionary effort, their engagement. And I think that's what we really noticed about your group was the is the balanced approach. And like you said a minute ago, you didn't try to to, to attack all areas of opportunity you, you saw in the data at the same time. You did a nice job of triaging where you saw the most opportunity. And if I recall correctly, the one thing that 
took us a while to fully appreciate from the data we collected with your group was the early read that you were getting, I guess the first level of noise that was bubbling up to the surface about you guys, if I remember the story right, had recruited you know, very successful field representatives, for instance, very driven, competitive people. You gave them the opportunity to work in a category where they could have a huge impact on people's lives. Like it was game-changing technology in the oncology, skin oncology space. And then the other element in the perfect storm was when you guys started, it was obvious that the people in the field, which is the majority of your employees in the franchise, when they worked hard, the, the business moved. So there was a very high correlation between their promotional uh, efficacy, if you want to call it that, and the results you were seeing. So here you have this situation where people are highly motivated, competitive, driver-type personalities. And what we saw in the data, I think, that caught everybody's attention is you know, we have to watch that we don't put these people in an environment where they get out of balance, where that all the all those elements in the perfect storm create an unsustainable amount of energy and they get out of balance with the other things in their life. And then you throw on top of the fact that you had, an, uh, I think, a competitor that was emerging, and that doubled down this sort of positive pressure that was on, especially your field people, to get out there and hustle. And, and they had big, they have big territories. So when you saw that data, and when your team saw that data, that seemed to be an opportunity, but it was an early read. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened from that early read in mid-2016 to today? And what what came out of that sort of emphasis and that point of focus on trying to make sure your team had the right environment to cope with this positive pressure? Yeah, I think you I think you summed it up quite well. It was um it was um one of those uh careful what you wish for scenarios, right? You got a you got a piece of business that's really um hugely impacted by by your field team, the impactable sales on on this piece of business is is relatively huge, uh, you know, compared to other, other businesses that I've been managing in oncology. Um, and then you combine it with a group of, um, um, highly driven sales folks who we hired and it, it, it's kind of a recipe for, for success, but it's also a recipe for potentially for, for, for burnout and, um, and for, for stretching people too much. So, um, yeah, you're right. We recognize that in the data. And I think, I, I think what was, what was great about, um, the culture survey at the time and putting that in front of the cultures and values team and then in front of the whole, the broader team as a whole, um, was just the fact that they felt like their voices were heard. It, it, I think they've been expressing this in different ways, but to have it validated in this way, um, and come forward in a, in just a really simple, um, you know, data driven perspective, just allowed everybody to, you know, take a collective breath and say, you know, we're right here. Everyone understands the situation we're in and understands the dynamic we're in. And then I, I think it allowed us to actually move forward and, and, and talk about what some of the solutions are. And, and these were some of the, you know, uh, you know, as you and I talked about, there's, you, you're never going to, you know, completely um, remove any of these, any of these dynamics that, that are created there. There's a, there's this natural tension between the type of team you have and the, and the type of business you're managing. That's always going to be there. But I think we did, and we were able to work with the cultures and values team, um, the, the leaders, the, the leadership team, um, the sales management team, and get input from from the reps as well and the people in the field on the ground uh, about just what we could do about this. And I know we, we, we made some tangible 
um, changes to how people manage territories. We gave people more accountability to how they could uh, uh, manage their time. Um, we also um, spent a lot of time at meetings and so forth, helping coach folks around work-life balance and giving them um, ideas on how they could how they could do that um, on a more meaningful way. And we started to ingrain this in everything we were doing, as well as reinforcing when people were off, um, how we could help cover for them and, and cover for their businesses so they didn't feel like they had to be working when they were supposed to be taking a vacation. Um, there was a number of things that we put in place because in, in, a, in a complex dynamic like that, I think it's, it's impossible to just do one thing and solve it all. But I think just being conscious and aware of it, having the team know that leadership was actively working with them in terms of trying to find solutions and then backing up our, um, up our words with some tangible differences in, in, in terms of programs and our expectations around the team, I think went a long way. Um, and I, and I, and I know you talked about this at the beginning of the, uh, the beginning of the podcast, but I think it really served as well because we went through a, another period of intense change about a year and a half later where the whole team dynamic was, um, was, uh, um, was really uprooted and we, 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 we restructured the team and we, we, we did this as a part of a larger restructuring down here at, uh, down here at Genentech. And I think, um, if we hadn't put the cultures and values team in place and started to put some of these tangible programs in place ahead of that. Um, I think our ability to navigate that, that significant degree of change that we were facing, uh, would have been extremely difficult, but, um, but we, um, I think we were able to do that and, and pull people through and, and really hold people engaged and nobody left, uh, that, uh, that wasn't displaced. People, people wanted to stay with the team. In fact, people that were displaced, actively tried to come back and, and work on the team again. So I, I was um, really, really pleased. I think it was the foundation we put in place around the cultures and values to really help us with that. Yeah, and that last point, when a couple of your teammates shared that with me when I was with your folks a few weeks ago, really impressed me as an outsider, as a navigator, that, boy, it's one thing to share some of these little observational points and think, wow, that's impressive. But when you've got folks who've been you know, had to move through the organization to maintain their relationship with Genentech and reluctantly had to take on other roles and other franchises to maintain that relationship, who then the minute the door opened back to your franchise, there was a lineup of people, you know, competing for those roles, anxious to get back into that environment. And I had more than one person come to me offline and tell their personal stories about being so excited to be, you know, re-engaged in this group uh, that they couldn't wait to get back. And they were thankful that they were able to win the competition to get back. I think that spoke volumes because it sounds like maybe 18 months ago, you know, it was a tough time. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But, um, you know, that's when, um, that's when you really, um, um, I guess reap what you sow kind of thing. If you've, if you've made those investments and you've, you've worked on that dynamic and you've made some conscious, um, conscious effort to build a team and, and um, support them in terms of the culture you want to create. I think that that's that starts to pay dividends. Um, and I think, I mean, you can think about it purely in the sense of the business and the team. But I, I also think it's um, just the right thing to do for for, for people. And frankly, um, for those of us who've been doing this for a while, it's the kind of teams and the kind of environments you want to be working in. So um, I think it's definitely worth the investment and. And, and definitely worth the time. And it, it's something that motivates me because I know that it ha- can have a huge impact, um, not just on the business, but I think on a positive way on the people that you get to work with. And that, that, um, 
that that makes it really worthwhile for me. Yeah, and that's a question we often get. You mentioned the you know return on investment, and a, lo- a lot of folks struggle with at the end of the day, especially in the smaller franchises or in the subsidiary environment where the budgets aren't as big. You know, how can they justify taking discretionary money and choosing to put a good chunk of that into an investment in culture as opposed to, say, strategy or tools or training or other things? Now, you've been managing in a number of different environments in your career, you know, from subsidiaries to smaller brands to large brands, and now this very significant oncology franchise for Genentech. What would your sage guidance be to to other budget managers who've got that opportunity like you have to pull on different levers, strategy, people, culture, you know, why, why spend some of those precious shekels on, on culture? So what, what's the real tangible impact? Um, well, first of all, I'd say, I mean, I, I don't think it, it costs as much as what people think it is. Um, we spend a lot of money on, on, um, you know, um, advertising and promotional dollars. And you, you ask a lot of marketers and salespeople what, what elements of your marketing mix are really driving the business. And, um, you know, I think people can answer in generalities, but you know, in, in, in this business, you, you don't know for sure. And there's a lot of money that we spend on things that we know probably have an impact, but you know, in some cases maybe, maybe, maybe don't. And, um, so I, I, I would, I would really question, um, you know, marketing sales, commercial leaders that are only thinking about, you know, strategic promotion, promotional tactics, um, as being the only driver of their business. Yes. Those are critical. You can't, you can't ignore that. And you need a, you need a real clear strategy, uh, clear strategic drivers and, and, and a tactical plan that lines up with that, or you won't be successful. I a hundred percent agree, but, but, but the investment in culture, first of all, I don't think needs to be huge. Um, a lot of it is time and thoughtfulness and, and, and working with your people, which is something you should be doing anyway. And, and second, I think to your point that you alluded to, I think it becomes a lever. It becomes a catalyst. Um, any strategy, your good strategy you have in place and any great tactics and programs have in place, ultimately the differentiator in the marketplace is how well our people execute on them. And if you have a team that's super engaged, that really believes in the why believes in what you're doing and, 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 and trust their leadership and trust the people around them and knows that, that, that they have their backs and they're able out there to give the best for their customers and their patients. Um, they're going to give you, they're going to give you the discretionary um, effort that you talked about and, and they're going to do it in, in, in a way that is motivating and passionate for the, for the customers around that. And people can feel that and see that. And then I think that becomes a catalyst for, for any great strategy you have in place. And I think, um, as you've alluded to and what we've talked about, I think in, in really highly competitive markets, that can become a competitive edge. It can become a competitive differentiator for you. Yeah, and I, I remember one of your folks when we were uh, having a little social time came over to me and introduced herself and we got talking a little bit and she's a relatively new member of your leadership team. And I said, so what's the contrast like for you co- compared to other franchises you've been involved with? And she said, well, let me just tell you this. In my last franchise, I was managing my career because I – was looking for a way to get out and now when I'm here I just I feel like I I just I owe it to these people to contribute everything I've got like I I feel guilty if I don't I I I really like these people I like what they're all about and now that I'm here I feel I find I'm running 
towards the business, not running, worrying about my career so much. And I, I thought that spoke volumes from someone who just, you know, unprompted had shared that, that contrast and that perspective. So I appreciate what you're saying. I guess we'll, we'll wrap up with getting maybe you to share, Warner, as you, you've approached this as, a, like anything else, it's part of strategic intent. It's not a one-time, it's a process, it's a journey. So as you see the progress that your team has made, what do you see on the horizon? What's, what's in the windshield as you look forward um, and as you want to continue to provide strong cultural leadership for your franchise? Yeah, um, well, um, as you know, we've, um, we went through a, a recent period of, um, of, of expansion here again on the team, and, um, and, and, and that sounds great, uh, and it is, um, but we've got, um, through all the different changes and different folks in new seats, we probably have about a third of the team that's either new and roll or new to the team. We have um, a new uh, field leadership team as well at the senior level and, uh, and about half of our frontline managers as well. Um, so this is a really opportune time that we're going to take a pause and have taken a pause with new folks on board. They've started to get their feet under them over the last three or four months. And so we're reengaging with um, uh, the cultures and values team to take another baseline measurement to see where we're at. Um, do the, first of all, do the, do the values that we, you know, talked about here on the team um, still make sense? Are they still resounding or, uh, you know, with, with the team and are, are they part of the fabric of who we still are, even with all these new folks there? Um, and let's get an assessment of that and then see how, see, see how well we, we we're measuring up versus, um, you know, other highly engaged organizations in this industry and, and, and to where the team was before. Can we get a measurement of that? Um, and then we have a number of, you know, champions that have already come forward. Um, some old, some new within the team that are getting excited because they know the, the groundswell around, you know, um, you know, the reinvestment and, and focusing time on this culture group is, is coming back. And so I've already got a number of people coming forward about what, what can they do to help. And so when we see these results in a few, in a few weeks, we're going to, start to engage that team and put a, put a plan together. And again, um, we won't want to try to solve too many things, but I'm, I'm sure through, through the assessment, um, you know, one or two key things are where we can drive and focus on as a leadership team are going to come forward and we'll, we'll be able to invest some time and energy on that. Um, in addition, I, I, um, in addition to the skin team, I've also, as you know, um, taken on, um, um, another group, um, the breast and gyne franchise here at Genentech and, um, they've also placed a huge emphasis on culture in the past, but I would say not as conscientiously. And, and so we're at a different sort of stage of the life cycle with this team. And I'm starting to engage with them on what this whole process is like and starting back maybe a few steps before we're, where we're at with skin. But, um, but there's some excitement growing there and some, some really good energy there. So I'm looking forward to working with that team as well. And any final words of wisdom that you would share Warner, with young leaders who might approach you and say, hey, you know, what should I do? I don't know what to do with culture. It seems like an esoteric thing. Um, I would just say um, lean into it. Um, you know, keep talking to people like yourself. Um, um, keep talking to other people that have placed an emphasis on culture in other parts of, of their organizations. Um, believe that it's real. Um, you know, as I said earlier, it, it happens whether you're whether you're tending to the garden or not, things are going to start growing. Um, I'd rather be conscious about it and and use this as a as a way to engage with your teams and as a way to um, to bring them to a higher level of performance. Um, I really do believe that it, it can be a competitive edge for teams, but I also think, and this is just 
you know, selfishly for me, these are, these are the types of people and teams that I want to be a part of and I have more fun working with. So I think it's worth the investment. Well, thanks. We really appreciate your time, Warner, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Rob. Um, thanks for asking me to be a part of this. It's been, it's been really good. Okay. We'll talk soon. Take care. Cheers.